0: Welcome to another episode of the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, it's your host, Brandon. And on today's episode, we have our favorite guest who comes on the podcast. Byron Cobalt drops by to celebrate the Aaron Rodgers acquisition. The Jets and Packers trade finally got completed going into the draft last weekend. And we just let Byron kind of give his thoughts and two cents on all of that. And then take a little break and go into the rookies that we like from a fantasy standpoint from the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, I didn't really uh, have too much uh, seriousness to to break down every little nitty gritty detail. I want to see more OTA stuff. I know a lot of people do have rookie drafts. Uh, Coming in hot, uh, probably this coming weekend. Maybe they already happened following the draft of this week. I wish you all good luck. I, I kind of like having it a little later, uh, just to really see what'll happen with uh, with rookie mini camp, OTAs, etc. But I suppose if you're doing a true dynasty league, this is the time to to do it and uh just get everything going and flowing i i like what league tycoon does um that's the dynasty service that i have been using since getting into dynasty a couple of years ago so we don't have ours until july but nonetheless uh we can start really kind of diving into what these rookies could look like from a fantasy potential standpoint and byron and i get into that a little bit in this episode so without further ado we're gonna hit this intro i'll see you on the other side please check out phantomsportsindustry.com this podcast wouldn't be possible without them and we'll see you on the other side with byron Welcome back, everybody, to the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. Joining me on the podcast today, we have our favorite guest, Byron Cobalt. Byron Cobalt, the new Aaron Rodgers biggest fan, uh, waving the banner for me. We we said, I wanted to wait to have Byron on the podcast because I wanted to wait for the Aaron Rodgers trade to be done. Well, turns out it happens with draft week, so we're just going to kind of... You know, we're we're going to sing Aaron Rodgers praises. We're going to sing Aaron Rodgers blues from my end. And, uh, yeah. yeah, Byron, how does it feel to have Aaron Rodgers finally? Like, finally, Joe Douglas uh, ponied up and paid the price. How are you feeling about the compensation, though, uh, that – that occurred. It was a very nuanced trade. Yeah. uh, It
1: still feels a little bit surreal. I think, um, all the images of Rogers in his jets gear, his workout gear. It's, it's nice, but I don't think it's going to fully hit me until I see him out there with the, uh, the helmet and shoulder pads on in a game. But I am, um, very, uh, I'm unabashedly excited about this. I've been waiting for, honestly, this is, um, Rodgers is the most talented quarterback that has played for the Jets in my lifetime. Besides potentially Brett Favre, or maybe you could make an argument um, that there was a brief moment where Vinnie was at a high level, but I think Rodgers is still beyond that. We were never talking about like a Hall of Fame type, uh, like end of like the top quarterback of all time to career with Vinny Testaverde or anything like that. So, yeah, no, I'm. I'm excited. I think as far as the trade, I was ended up being a little bit surprised at what the Jets did give up, because there's honestly, I don't know if there was another option on the table for a team to trade the Packer for the Packers to trade Rodgers to. So the fact that we're most likely giving up, you know, by just. Pure probability. I don't want to jinx anything, but pure probability, Aaron Rodgers will probably play sixty-five percent of the snaps this year. So we're probably looking at a second and a first, and then a little bit of movement in the first. So that kind of washes with the lower picks. So I would like to get more, but then again, I think Rodgers potentially has more than two years left in him. We all talk about like potentially two years because based on where he is mentally, but you never really know. Like in this twenty twenty-three players can play well into their forties, especially if they're well protected. Rodgers has been that so far in his career, and. Hopefully the Jets have are able to keep their line healthy and thus can keep Rodgers healthy. That would be um, quite the cruel joke if he got injured quickly in his Jets tenure. But, yeah, no, I'm excited. It's been a long time since the Jets, again, have had, had both a good team and a good quarterback to go with it. The um, last few Pennington years, in addition to the Mark Sanchez years, they were good, but quarterback play wasn't necessarily the strength of the team. Definitely not with the Sanchez years.
0: I think... So after kind of, like, thinking about how the trade went down, um, I think that it wasn't Aaron Rodgers that was tired of the Packers as much as it was the Packers front office that was tired of Rodgers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think that it, it, it's so much about people, and I think that that's what really kind of pushed it over the edge. In conjunction and i think that the jordan love time clock just incentivized them even more to act now on it and it's just kind of weird because we saw the writing on the wall and it was all just hearsay up until we up until it actually happened so i as a packer fan i don't know if i'm relieved or or if i'm i'm happy i'm happy for yeah. you ultimately you know but it's just so weird how our two franchises are forever entangled in our lifetimes because of not one but now two historically great quarterbacks have decided to make the sojourn to the big apple to play for the jets it, it's just it who his, I don't know the tale is told us tale as old as time song as old as rhyme that's the only thing I could think of Packers and yeah. the Jets it's like it, I guess we can start you know talking about the Jordan love opportunity and about yeah. I, what it would like that 20, be like 15 years now 2038
1: right? or so yeah if um
0: yeah yeah, yeah. well I guess we'll start um uh, Fielding that offer. Yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> I don't know what it is. Like, right, they're the only two teams in the NFL. whose primary color is green. Uh, the reason I know that off the top of my head is just because I watch most of my games with uh, kids five and younger. So that, that comes up. But um, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, we have a relationship between the two teams. I can't say the Jets have always been... Um, hundred percent faithful to the Packers when it comes to picking up players at the end of their hall of fame careers. So we have, um, just a few examples off the top of my head, Ed Reed, Alan Faneca, Ronnie Lott, um, Derek Mason, like a bunch of these players just basically came to the end. Demarius Thomas came to the end of their career effectively with a brief stint with the jets. Some of them having a pretty successful stint with the jets. of at least a year or two, um, but like whenever we talk about like the most the best players in Jets history, there's always a stipulation amongst Jets fans to say, best players wild Jets in Jets history, as opposed to best players that happen to put the jersey <laughs> on. Um, so like yeah, like there's a difference between uh Darrell Revis and then the fact that we got Ty Law for a season, for example. Like so there's that is yep. I don't know why that's a Jets thing. I know the Jets are famous for having bad drafts um although how much of that was organic and how much of that was kind of forced with that kind of amazing but embarrassing video video that espn just happened to have together when we drafted mike nugent as in the second round in 2005 like that's um that video of the jets you know the worst picks highlights that and yeah you know that's in the top three like most embarrassing moments in jets history by itself up there probably with the butt fumble and with um uh, the Joe Namath-Susie Culver interview. But, yeah, no, it just seems like, yeah, we can kind of get ready for it. I don't—Jordan Love, I don't know, has the same promise necessarily that Aaron Rodgers does, but then again, I guess at the time, it's it's easy to forget that Rodgers really hadn't done anything when he stepped in. But he was good—if I recall, right, he was good almost immediately as a full-time starter when he stepped in 2008, right? Yeah.
0: So there is growing pains his first year as a full-time starter, but that's to be expected, honestly. Like, I'm anticipating growing pains with Jordan Love here. But simultaneously, I'm looking at what the Bears and the Lions did, and it's still like, it's not like they were drafting with purpose this past weekend. I mean, I, w- I like some of the draft picks, but I wasn't like, oh, wow, the, these teams got so much better from all these guys they brought in. Now, obviously, the Bears brought in some pretty good uh, pretty good reagents and trades that you know tj edwards from the eagles dj Moore uh from carolina with that trade so that so polls was pretty savvy but i'm not sitting here like uber intimidated by either of them i think the thing they'll have over the packers this year is that they just have quarterbacks that have played more nfl football which when the going gets tough could really benefit them but the Packers on the defensive side of the ball it's it's gonna depend on everybody's gonna have to raise their level a, on the Packers now and that's that's where that's where I sit with it we're gonna need the special teams to do more I know Basaccia is up to the task because I think they finally gave him the reins uh after they cut uh Amari Rogers last year and they're like forget us like Basaccia you do your thing and then Keyshawn Nixon goes off and becomes all pro-returner. Um, the defense finally started shaping out into form, dis- despite uh, some of the fan base's disdain for Barry's system. But it seemed as though Darnell Savage recognized he needed to play better. And I do wonder what it's going to look like with De- with Devontae Wyatt and... Uh, um, Oh shoot. The other linebacker they got from Georgia, what what that'll what that'll look like? And uh yeah, I I sometimes forget the defensive guy's side of the ball because I don't pay as much attention because fantasy, but um that that's okay. Uh, do you think Joe Douglas had to cave a little bit to Woody Johnson just trying to get him to get it done and stop uh trying to negotiate? So- because I do yeah. wonder sometimes if having an owner helps uh, progress these things.
1: Yeah, and it's not clear to me how much Woody Johnson actually makes nudges for football decisions. I know there was a the narrative around, like for example, the Tim Tebow trade was that was basically Woody Johnson coming down from his office and telling, I think it was still Mike Tannenbaum at the time, yeah, you have to make this trade. That's it. Um, we need to in the interest of the team, but. He Yikes. might ha- but we don't have proof of that, that's just what everyone assumes because Mike Tannenbaum seemed sane before that but um and also he uh, woody has since his stint as ambassador to the u k um where his brother briefly was the acting um i guess CEO of the jets for a bit, seems to have taken a bit of a step back, but it's possible he made a note here so or he made a push here because it seemed to time up that the trade came not that long after the rumor got out that the Titans were re-entering the discussion. Now, that was, I know, we know the teams will do this where they will leak rumors that are benevolent to themselves, and we don't know if that rumor was legit or if that's the Packers working the phones. The one guy tells a guy who then tells Ian Rappaport that, Um, we're hearing the Titans have uh, come back to the table or something like that because it seemed like Joe Douglas was very confident he was going to make the trade. It was probably down to, as I understand it, the 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 swap of the 13th pick and the 15th pick, and it was going to depend on, it might have been a draft night trade, where depending on how the players fell, they decided what that looks like, and if they didn't swap picks, they swapped something else. But it could have been when that other Titans rumor came around, that Woody Johnson got nervous and nudged Joe Douglas, and maybe he did decide to make the trade because nothing's a certainty in the NFL. So Joe's been a very good GM in terms of not getting swindled in Absolutely. trades. Like, look at what he got for Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams and all these other small trades where it's just like, how do we get, like, a fifth-round pick for Blake Cashman to the Texans? He's been really good with that. But this was a little bit uncharacteristic yes, in that way. And he's actually getting... Uh, despite the fact that we now have Rodgers, he has been getting a little bit more flack than usual with um, us arguably reaching in the first round as well.
0: Yeah, no, um, Aaron Rodgers will uh, make you compromise a lot of things, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think happens to Zach Wilson now? I don't think yeah. he sticks around. Yeah.
1: I think he, he may stick around as a backup. I think if Rodgers gets hurts now, hurt now, it's... Uh, It's pretty much game over for the Jets. Like we were last year, more competitive with Chris Streveler, who can um, doesn't even look like an NFL quarterback when he's out there, but at least he's a football player. Um, I think he sits behind Rodgers, but because of the timing of his contract and how many years Rodgers has left, Rodgers has probably two years at least, and Zach Wilson has two years on his rookie year before the potential fifth-year option. I don't think they're going to be in a situation where the Jets are going to want to extend Zach Wilson. Almost certainly he won't have gotten a chance to show his skills or show how much he's developed or not developed. So we're going to, we're going to assume that he is who he is. He's going to hit the market and be signed somewhere as a backup and probably show up once every few years as a backup. Maybe he has a good game here and there. And people wonder if he's going to be the next Geno Smith as far as the Jets quarterback that was successful somewhere else. But um, most likely, I think we've seen most of the games started in Zach Wilson's career at this point,
0: yeah he's gonna be twenty six and twenty seven respectfully respectively uh respectively in 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 these next two years um that and uh he's not he's not cheap um so i yeah. uh, I will be curious to see what the move is on him um you know you think about some of the salary tricks they were doing with backups in new york in landing mike white and and uh having joe flacco in in his uh yeah in his sunset years it's uh it, that's a lot of money in the quarterback room now and one guy is not really yeah. it's not really uh performing up to what he's due so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what decisions get made surrounding yep. that How does this impact the Jets from a fantasy standpoint, well, do you think? I love my I love my Brees Hall stock, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: it, this, this, it seems like the sky's the limit. So because, again, the Jets haven't had a really above-average offense since Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Jets. I think that's fair to say. I mean, maybe the, the Fitzpatrick year, we were above-average, I guess. But that was still a year. This team was still built around defense there. Um, we are probably looking at the best fantasy season for the Jets in a long time, and a, a few of them put together. So it can be easy, like, to, as a as a fantasy manager, to write certain players off, too. Like, I know I've been mentally writing off Jets players, writing off Jaguars, writing off um, a lot of, uh, as I've been writing off players from, like, Washington to a certain extent. Like, there's um, there, are, there are teams where you just associate them with disappointment when it comes to fantasy, and... They might be a chance that, you know, as as high as some people might be on Garrett Wilson this year, maybe Tyler Conklin is a little bit undervalued just because he has the, I'm not going to say Jets stink on him, but he's got the Jets smell to him, and that's going to probably change significantly this year. I think Brees Hall has a chance, despite only playing a few games last year, he may be drafted in the top half of first rounds this year. We Apparently the Jets were interested in Jameer Gibbs and ended up... Um, drafting or like if he had fallen to the jets, they would have taken him just because they won't like the different weapon, like having him as a weapon. But Brees Hall is really not going to get a lot of competition for, uh, for volume. You would think from Michael Carter, it's probably not going to be an Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon situation. Michael Carter hasn't really shown that much. So,
0: um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, that, uh, that the kid out of Pittsburgh wasn't their first choice.
1: Oh yeah. For, uh, you mean as far as like running backs or,
0: um, yeah, yeah, for the from the draft standpoint, I'm sure they would have much rather had Gibbs, and it was yeah. looking pretty promising that he would have fell to them, if the Lions wouldn't have just decided to surprise everybody yeah
1: the um it probably still would have gotten some criticism again because we it's one of the strengths of the team and i don't think joe douglas drafts to need joe douglas signs free agents to fill needs and then drafts best player available that's it seems like it but um yeah israel okay uh, israel abanaconda might be the third or fourth string running back for jets this year after brees hall michael carter i guess bam knight probably is going to get Uh, Worked in, even though he's less of he's more of a pure handcuff I would think to Brees Hall than he is like a complimentary type player like Carter might be but um, I think Brees Hall's stock is up I think Alan Lazard is going to be a serviceable player this year I don't think Corey Davis is going to be on
0: I like Alan Lazard's fantasy stock
2: this year I
1: don't think uh, Corey Davis is going to be on the roster for the Jets I think he's going to be a necessary cap casualty to fit everyone including Quinnen Williams who still hasn't signed um, I think uh, Mikol Hardman might be the new version of Marquez Valdez Scantling in a way, where maybe Devontae's equivalent is Garrett Wilson, and sure. Hardman is more of the guy who has one or two games during the year that are, he just goes off. Does um, actually have a bit of a you know have a legit deep threat, but um, yeah, we could get some comp- uh, some competitive tight ends for the Jets. But overall, I mean, I think Rodgers himself is probably a big question. I don't, I would think his stats are going to improve versus what we saw in the Packers through uh, maybe he's not going to be a a top fantasy player necessarily. I don't think he's going to, um, I think he's going to be showing the ability to protect the ball. I think he's going to probably have a very efficient year um, because of the fact that the Jets have a very strong defense and they're not going to need to be aggressive and they have enough talent on offense where it's not going to be on Rodgers playing perfect games for them to win them. At least, barring a lot of injuries for the Jets, so um, I think this is going to be—it's going to be a fun year for Jets fan fantasy players who finally want to draft a Jet. That's not, um, you know, someone besides Garrett Wilson. They can actually now draft someone now and have, and enjoy it.
0: Aaron Rodgers could break your team. You know that, right? <laughs> well. yeah. <laughs> it's what would he brought like? he he brought he brought his he brought his uh yeah. he brought his wide receiver whisperer alan lazard to yeah. to teach everybody the yeah. the key signals and yeah. um what to watch for so and he wants to probably bring in cobb and, and mercedes lewis if he can yeah. so i'm just you know i i'm i'm excited for you but i i just hope that Jets fans don't get too dejected if all of a sudden they're like, "What's going on here right now? Why is the offense being so weird?" Um, well, just know that Rogers and Nathaniel Hackett—it's uh, not necessarily the, the the meeting of the world's best minds. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is incredible on a football field, but. You know he's been making some suspect, uh, some suspect moves. So I'll be curious to see what him combined with Hackett without Lafleur looks like, um, and that that'll be something that I'll be watching for personally. Yeah. Well,
1: I'll, I'll just say that the baseline for Jets fans, we haven't had a four thousand yard passer since Joe Namath. We. Of the twenty-one quarterbacks drafted, so this is a Twitter stat today. Of the twenty-one quarterbacks drafted in the top five in the NFL draft since two thousand eight, six of them, so only six of them, have failed to have a top twelve fantasy season, and three of them are the ones the Jets picked. Like we're like some of these games last year with Zach Wilson, he it's like he couldn't complete a pass, and we've gone through this from time to time. There are games where Geno Smith just seemed like couldn't complete a pass. Mike Vick came in as his back couldn't complete a pass. It's Really like I mean, it, the bar is gonna be low. Like yeah, as much as I love the other guys on the Jets, I love our like I love Garrett Wilson, and Brees Hall. Now like they're pretty new to Jets. I'm also used to having players I love turn pretty quickly. So if we're able to be successful, I'm going to sure. put up with a lot. And I think a lot of Jets fans are too.
0: Fair enough. I just love seeing uh, Aaron yeah. get. I also um, hope that get introduced he, to the I, I city. <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, I hope he doubles down on his podcast, too, just because it needs some entertainment, <laughs> needs some type of excitement. I'll take anything, even the um, Rex Ryan level of controversy off the field. I just want to, like, get some get some yards on offense, finally.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, from a schematic standpoint and just, like, what what kind of plays are going? I like the opportunity for Garrett Wilson for sure. Yeah. Um, that that'll be exciting to watch from his standpoint. Um, so, yeah. With that being said, we'll take a quick break to talk about the draft. All right. So. Um, enough about Aaron Rodgers. Although we could go on and on about the the, oh, could go on. the the Jets roster on paper, it's all it's all platitudes at this time of the year. So let's uh, let's talk about something that's tangible and uh, let's look at this from a fantasy standpoint. In particular, what rookies do you think ended up in the best situation from a fantasy football standpoint? Um, Without any rookie minicamp, OTAs, preseason footage to kind of sink our teeth into yet, uh, I'm just curious what your, what your, uh, what you're evaluating. Uh, how much of the draft did you even get to watch? Were you were you watching it, or were you just kind of checking updates? Yeah, I on was your watching
1: um, the I watched the majority of the first three rounds. Got a little, um, it's a little bit tough to follow around the entirety of day three especially with um, it is. you know, dad life and things like that that I have to schedule with now. But
0: uh, Yep, um, me too.
1: As far as, um, uh, I have to say, it was a strange draft in terms of fantasy because there wasn't that home run landing spot for any one player. Like, B. John Robinson, I guess a lot of people expected to go to the Falcons, but he's got Tyler Algier, and um, it's not exactly... You know Desmond Ritter at the quarterback. It's not a guarantee that he's going to be a uh, having like a rookie year that makes us remind us of Jonathan Taylor. Even if he has similar talent, like he's um, he's I think that maybe the top dynasty asset right now because he didn't go on to an absurd situation. And B. John Robinson is just an excellent running back project or prospect. Maybe yeah. um, you know on the level of maybe not quite on the level of Saquon Barkley as a prospect, but on the level of, like, Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott. Um, so Bijan is, like, he'll be good, but we kind of knew he was going to be good. The And then, but if you go down, like, for, like, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he goes to a spot where he's not exactly going to be the number one target right from the get-go. Jameer Gibbs, they traded DeAndre Swift, so that'll... Um, open things up a little bit for Jameer Gibbs, but they still signed the line signed David Montgomery, So you're not um, saying that Gibbs is going to be, um, he's at least it's more likely he's going to be like the second most. Uh, uh, they get the second most volume on the team this year. Uh, I actually do like Jordan Addison on the Vikings though, because we had talked a little bit last year about. I do
0: too. It scares KJ me. Osborne yeah. being like,
1: Oh, is he going to be the two now? And now Thielen's actually gone. And um, Jordan Addison is significantly more talented than KJ Osborne and they, um, yeah, we have Hawkinson there, but Kirk Cousins can also keep up multiple fantasy assets, uh, and they're um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think there's some uncertainty about how much they're going to run the ball. Yeah. yeah, until
0: until Kirk gives me a reason, until Kirk gives me a reason not to believe he can't, you know, maintain multiple fantasy assets. I'm I I, I really like yeah. the Addison addition well, so, um, to that it awesome. wasn't
1: until like very late in the draft process i feel like i mean sometimes just the uh the public draft analysis has to catch up to the real uh scouts but it wasn't a, a deal that jackson yeah. smith Ojigua was the head and shoulders top right wide receiver prospect until the end jordan addison had a um had his hat in the ring for that for a while and so did Quentin johnston um quinton johnston i think is going to be a year two type of guy i think Whatever falls out, whoever, someone's going to fall off eventually because of age or injuries between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think Quentin Johnston is going to be a good NFL player. He doesn't necessarily have the um, all check all the boxes you hope for the prospect in terms of how he's built athletically. Big he's fast. Big, fast athletic. he, he fits the DK Metcalf mold pretty well. He fits, um, but there have also been players yeah. that are kind of similar to that. There's a reason why Metcalf had felt around, too, is because other players that are kind of like that. Um, aren't always successful. I mean, like, I guess Kevin White kind of got hurt. Uh, and Trent, Lecontre wasn't quite as fast as him, but um, you wonder about a player that's big and fast. He's, he, Quentin Johnston's a, a good football player, though. If you watch him play, and what, how much I've seen him, he's someone mm-hmm. that he's... Um, he, he has like a motor like a running back in some ways. Like, so I expect him to find ways to be successful here. And if he can stay healthy, he might find himself being the number one target for Justin Herbert uh, going forward. But um, he'll compete for targets at least to start with.
0: No, for sure. I, I agree with you. What, so one thing that I heard today that I actually hadn't really thought about too much, but the COVID years is the COVID year in college is really messing with the quality of the draft because you got a lot of these older guys that stayed an extra year in college that are finally now bubbling to the surface. And then you got a couple of young guys that, that are taking advantage because they knew they had the opportunity, but there's so many young guys that could have went in the draft the past couple of years that have been lingering in college longer. And I think that's, that and I hadn't really thought about that before, but after hearing it said, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, why the quality of the draft hasn't been as strong yeah. uh, from a, from top to bottom, and it's you know every year's going to have its ebbs and ebbs and flows, but I just feel like we've been grasping for straws a little bit um, the past couple of years, and I've honestly suggested to a lot of people like you'd be better off trying to find the second year player that's going to go off for fantasy especially in dynasty than trying to hope that one of these guys in your rookie draft is going to be a potential contributor I don't think anybody outside of the running backs is really going to be that maybe one or two of the receivers will really you know jump off the page depending on their opportunities but it just has I don't know what your thoughts are on that but I I was here listening somebody who's been doing draft coverage for a number of years and they, they've kept uh, going back to that covid year being the real linchpin as to why these have been yeah. kind of distinct I
1: actually i love theories like that I had not heard that one before um, and when i thought about covid and how it impacted draft I was usually thinking about players like trey lance or Penay Sewell who's went from being a yeah. generational type prospect to being kind of a question mark and then but still drafted highly i that's really interesting to think through because what the connotations for that could be a number of things. It could be that a lot of players are going to step up in year two because their experience finally catches up to their talent or something like that. It could be, and I'd have to take a look at this. I wouldn't be shocked if um, some of the lower drafted rookies are more successful than usual because that would, if it's more difficult to evaluate prospects because they're not getting playing time as much as a high prospect normally would because they're competing with uh, the super seniors and other players without an NFL feature, but are good in college. I don't mean NFL teams are having a tougher time evaluating prospects, which means that the draft talent drop off is a little bit flatter and we should expect some, maybe a little bit more success from someone like um, I don't know, maybe like a, Oh, Sean johnson or someone like that that we normally wouldn't think of and just raise them up a little bit because like it's interesting i'll default to i think my favorite analysis on this might be from jj zacharyson where he talks about how a lot of the most opportunity for like the home runs in drafting for fantasy comes from rookies i think there's it could be that some of that opportunity right is being pushed delayed or uh, paid forward a year or being like held for a year um and they're going to break out later it could be that the their careers have just been messed up to a point of where a lot of these rookies just aren't going to reach their potential or they're not going to get the opportunity in time they're just set behind and they'll never quite catch up but it's also possible too that yeah maybe there's a higher rate of diamond in the rough right now um of diamonds in the rough and we need to keep an eye on those late round rookies for someone that could just surprise everybody i, I could see that too
0: yeah, kind of like the Christian Watson effect yeah. last year. Like, he he flipped some people's seasons around exponentially. It was crazy. Um, and, and, like, I, I don't know who that guy necessarily is. Um, I also think the transfer portal has a lot to do with this yeah. as well. Um, just because guys can prolong their college stint in conjunction with the COVID year. And they parlay those two options a lot. And so then... <laughs> Sometimes I wonder so I actually I like JJ Zacharyson a lot too. I I use I'm trying some of his models for yeah. the first time this year. Um really 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 big on the age component, which is something I hadn't really factored in as much, which I it's 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 paramount because if I'm 22 and I'm playing against 19-year-olds in college, I'm gonna be putting up some pretty yeah. big numbers and I hadn't really thought about that. Um, especially if I'm a if I'm a guy that's been around a long time, and I, I, you know, I, it, that that's something that I appreciate. Yeah. JJ Zacharyson's model factoring in more so than other fantasy. Yeah, analysts. I think. Um,
1: and it's interesting. Age is an interesting variable because what it represents. You could break down age into its component parts. You could say <clears throat> what comes with age: experience, athleticism to an extent, wear and tear comes with age. I mean, a lot of people I think criticize jj last year with the how he had cordero patterson set up because cordero patterson everyone knew that just from like a football stand fan standpoint that this isn't a normal running back he's playing his career as like a receiver he doesn't have the same wear and tear for a normal 30 year old so his age is a little misleading that way a model isn't unless it's really sophisticated isn't going to be able to pick up on that you would have to again take age and say Well, I have a different way of measuring how much wear the player has, but that's really hard to do because every player kind of ages at their own rate. We don't see what's going on inside the athlete's knees, inside the skin when they're going through. Like some players seem to just have absurd longevity and some don't. We don't know about that. We don't have the genetic makeup Mm -hmm. of every player. But um, things like age, things... um, uh, things like draft capital I think of too about how to actually use that because that's again that's a proxy for how much a team likes a player and plans to use them and in some cases how much they may feel obligated to give them a shot Um, and those are things you could in theory break out from draft capital where you could say obviously this player x that was drafted in the second round is deserving of more consideration for your fantasy team because he's appreciated more by his team than the player drafted in round one because of reasons like a b and c but um draft capital is still a pretty good proxy for things that do matter in fantasy so i like the using of that as well does seem kind of arbitrary sometimes when a player slips just because of how the board shakes out but in the long run it's a good metric
0: no i I would agree um and also too like i don't think his model would have factored in the year that jamal williams had either yeah (laughs) like that th- there's always going to be those outside uh, outside the box uh per, you know performers and i i'm trying to look for that guy constantly um this off season i think i know who it's going to be i'm not 100% certain yet i need to see what all happens in denver to believe it but i do think that there's a there's a running back out there that might be poised for that um it all depends on uh on uh what happens with a certain uh injured running Ooh, back, okay. um, aka yeah. Javante Williams. <laughs> so uh yeah, so I just I gave I gave it away. I, I it could be Samaje Pirine, depending on the situation in Denver. Um, because it's his first time getting a crack at it, and if he could be the three down guy, I think he could be poised for that Jamal Williams slash Cordell Patterson slash james white kind of year depending on what happens in denver but i'm i'm not i'm not sure i need to see what sean payton and joe lombardi have in store for him to to believe it so that'll that's what it'll come down to ultimately and it could be jamal again in in uh in new orleans but uh again let's let's go back to these rookies here um so we talked about a few guys um I guess, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned Addison to the Vikings. I also really like the Dwayne McBride pick. Yeah. It's going to stink for me to have to watch those guys in purple um, play against the Packers. That's going to be a little frustrating. Uh, I, similar with uh, with Gibbs as a, as a Lion, that's going to be nauseating to watch because uh, the Lions, even though what a lo- they did, a lot of people say doesn't make sense. It's going to be great for fantasy football. They're, they're going to have somebody on that roster blowing up every week, I think, just because of the just the versatility that they have. It could be Montgomery one week if it's a game where they're going to have to play bully ball and, and run it down the defense's throat. It could be Jameer Gibbs when, when they're putting him out in space and letting him do his thing that he did so well at Alabama. And then it could still be Amon Ra every week because of his abilities simultaneously. It's just a fun offense with a lot of weapons and it's going to be very awesome. And it's going to be very frustrating at the same yeah, time. I think
1: there's, there's another rookie who I can think of that may be actually a Jamal Williams type this year. We'll see. And I think tank Bigsby might end up being that player, depending on how you get used in. Jacksonville. I like him Like there's ETN is, is a little bit injury prone it could be. It, it, I think it's going to be one of two things. Either it's going to be um, Etn is going to be a uh, like top asset, first round pick type, like the guy that carries your team. You're thrilled you picked him, or someone else is going to be sharing the load with them. And not a lot of no one's he's tank's not getting a lot of love right now. But he may be the tank in that offense that pl- it punches the ball into the end zone a few more times than. Uh, Than his than Travis does, so I think there is a chance of that. There, it is tough to find. Um, it's interesting they also mentioned like how to use a model to find players like Jamal Williams, though, or how do you find them? Because I honestly think we're reaching a point in fantasy where there are so many different statistical models that it's almost like I guess when you're looking at stocks, for example, like there's you're not making your own model for stocks, you're kind of picking and choosing where stocks are missing or where the models are missing something like where do i see something with my eyes and ears and the
0: Well the smart everything. people the 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 people that are making more money than you and i Byron yeah. they, ha- fair they enough. have okay, systems okay yes yeah so and we don't hear about them and i don't know if those <laughs> fair enough yeah no we they they yeah. no, we don't we don't hear we don't hear about them because uh that that costs a little bit uh too much money for price of admission Yeah that's true and the
1: ones that are using those systems they're also um um and they're making more money than you would make on those models in fantasy football. Like I'll, I'll make jokes like that at work too. Like if what you're asking is yep. possible, then <laughs> we're making a lot more money somewhere else. But um, so, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> they are. The, but there is a lot of crossover between stock investor world yeah. and fantasy football world though that's very there's there's a lot yeah, of crossover yeah it's there.
1: like um there's not quite enough to play with I mean it's probably actually even more so true for sports like basketball and stuff where you have game or baseball where you have games going on all the time. But um yeah no there's definitely a crossover and I yeah. think the thing that we could learn from stockbrokers or day traders at least is um is instead of necessarily You know, trying to bootstrap models, more so looking at like evaluating models and seeing where they are likely to miss things. Like, so seeing where the models are likely to be wrong. Anything we see, like, for example, if you're watching a football game and you see someone, uh, you watch a play, you'll see things that a model won't recreate if you asked it to. Based on what you input as the result of the play, you're going to say the number of yards, maybe where on the field it was, maybe you know how much separation the player had or how many. You know, the air yards of the football, how much you travel in the air. You don't know every aspect of it, though. So there's always something you can kind of pick up on. And if there's some trend there you can find, then that may, it's, it's a potential edge. Now, that's a big lead-in. I don't have an edge like that off the top of my head. But I think there's um, – you have to kind of – I think more and more we have to think in those terms to say, like, either you're going to be, like, knee-deep in the data, and you're going to say, I have the best numbers and looking for inefficiencies the best – Or, you know, good enough to win your league. I guess you don't have to necessarily be the best in the world at it unless you're trying to make millions of dollars with daily fantasy. But you could say, like, yeah, there are... what The value you can bring is something you've picked up on, and maybe you're biased, but maybe that's the point, is that you see something that a model is likely to miss, some aspect of a player, like maybe the player's ability to... uh, you know, get open on broken plays. That might be a difficult thing to model exactly. What what counts as uh, a busted play? I don't know that we have stat tracking that really does that to the or you know things like that.
0: Yeah. So for me, I I don't know. Like we all have that thing in fantasy football that we're not. I don't know if I'm good at it, but I've just had a good intuition about it and for some reason i've always been able to figure out who's going to be at least a halfway decent performing tight end if i'm not getting the top tier guy and i'm not saying that i'm the tight end whisperer by any stretch but i just I, i have a thought and i'm not afraid to put that element of risk in my lineup and I, i've I've hit more than I've missed and I'm not saying there's a metric that I'm using but it's just so, sort of that that gut feeling or it just kind of looking at the snap percentages that the tight end is being out there for um, that could potentially lead to success depending on the matchups of the week and identifying what defenses are terrible at matching up with tight ends in general is a is a huge way to also kind of utilize that I, and i am i realize i'm giving away that secret right now but uh, i you know it's i know that a lot of people won't think of it and i see so many people just put anybody that has te next to their names without any arbitrary reason um and it's just it it kind of drives me yeah. insane so i have no problem talking about it on the podcast because i know none of my yeah. league mates yeah. will listen to this uh at least uh at least so i think yet so knock on wood there but um, even if they did listen to this, I'm pretty confident that I'd I'd, I'd feel comfortable with with them uh, with them knowing what I do because they're not going to know what I'm doing 100 percent of the time. Um, yeah, so biggest winners uh, in the draft this year. Um, yeah. I I think that some teams. So. Well, okay. Biggest biggest winner from the draft out of the draft picks. Let's do um biggest winner out of the draft picks. I think biggest winner out of the draft picks was Anthony Richardson ending up with Shane Steichen. Um, I think that that was a huge opportunity for him, uh, because if Shane, because this means that he has to get playing time now, and um, no, I I'd love to see Menschu Mania, but. If you're go- if you're Shane Steichen, you need to get Anthony Richardson out there now and experienced and just just feel out if you have a fraction or a share of what you had with Jalen Hurts because he is bigger, faster, stronger than Hurts. I don't think he has the same between the ears that he does, but I think that there's a lot to like from a fantasy standpoint. And it's just it it's it's different than what the Colts have done it's not it's not a very uh it's not a very cult pick uh, as you saw Ursay you know just kind of arbitrarily tweet out hey how about we draft Will Levis today for round <laughs> 2 and, and you could see pitchforks come out in Indy like when Ursay was just like everything in Ursay's body wanted to draft Levis, but he must have had, Ballard and Steichen must have had to like, no, sir, like, we respect your opinion, but we need to do something different. This hasn't worked before, and we're not going to do it again. This is Carson Wentz 2.0, and uh, and and so I'm happy that Anthony Richardson got picked, and I'm excited to see what his potential is. I, I think it's huge fantasy. Upside. Yeah. I think
1: That's a really good point. I mean, I think there is some risk if Anthony Richardson, you know, there, there's a big debate about how polished he is really and how much development time he would need, but you don't really get that time in the NFL anymore. So if you want your shot, you want it right away. He will play. He is, he's dynamic. He has this ceiling of a, an elite quarterback uh, in the NFL, or at least fantasy quarterback, I should say. I mean, quarterback too, obviously he's the fourth overall pick. So, um, I would say, like, yeah, I think that's a good one. The one I had in mind, I mean, we already mentioned Jordan Addison, but I actually really like, too, um, I like where Michael Mayer ended up. So I think Michael Mayer going to the Raiders after losing Darren Waller, I think there's a chance that he's going to be one of those. It is a little more boring, but I think there's a chance that this is going to be one of our long-term tight ends, like a like at Friar Moose two where the guy is he's a solid draftable tight end. Sure. And he'll someone will get him in fantasy. You don't have to worry about tight end for ten years. Um, and yeah, maybe again like a little bit more athletic version of like Heath Miller or Kyle Rudolph or someone like that. So um I think that'll be a, I think that'll be a good spot. Maybe if I had to pick a more exciting one though, I'll um honestly say of this number of places where Kendry Miller could have learned, landed with having upside. Things could happen with Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. Is kind of has his role. I wouldn't shock me if Kendry Miller is basically the the new Alvin Kamara. Ultimately, um, he could if he gets that playing time. He's um, he has a chance to shine there. It's it's not the Sean Payton offense anymore, but it's a. It's an environment now with Derek Carr there, too, where you know Derek Carr was able to help support uh, Josh Jacobs last year, having a huge fantasy season. So whoever's the starter for the Saints is going to be um, pretty successful, and there's upside there, at least, I'll say.
0: I like the Mayor pick. I think he was the one guy you could say he could get drafted. He could have gotten drafted on any team, and he would have had a role, like, yeah. day one. I think he would have fit in anywhere, um just watching him um, his his frame does concern me a little bit. He does kind of lumber out there, but he's just been probably one of the best dual threat tight ends in college football, and Notre Dame seems to be the tight end factory yeah. these days. so consensus says yeah he he's gonna he's gonna be successful, and um they're gonna need. Well, Jimmy G is used to hitting tight ends, so if he can get anywhere near what he had with Kittle yeah. with him, that could definitely bode yeah. well for, for Meyer. Um, yeah, the Kendra Miller pick is interesting. Um, I don't know what to do about the Saints' offense yet With as long as Dennis Allen is there and Derek Carr now. Obviously, their collective record when they were in Oakland together was not very good, so I don't know... I hope people are kind of looking at that and scratching their heads a little bit, cause it hasn't been a recipe of success prior. Uh, so uh, I hope nobody's holding their breath for the Saints to be uh, to be all that great. But if if they're gonna prioritize running the ball and doing it effectively, then yeah, Kendra Miller could could yeah. be awesome. But then I'm like, shoot, like it could just be Jamal Williams' world that we're living in yeah. again, all over. <laughs> All over again, too. So there's a lot of different outcomes that could happen in New Orleans. I don't really know what to expect yet from from there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Um, were there any losers from the draft picks that that uh, that kind of maybe didn't end up in the most ideal condition that that we as fantasy football people would have wanted them to end up so- in?
1: I'm going to put Jackson Smith and Ajigba in this category because as good as Geno Smith was last year, I've seen Geno Smith play and we know he has the capability, like he had, a, will cap- maybe never forgive him as a Jets fan here for his time here, but I've, we've seen quarterbacks have one really good year, earn like a good contract, and then go back to who they were before, especially once the league has like a year of film on them. I think there's a chance that Geno Smith takes a major step back and there's not enough, not enough to go around for Jackson Smith Najiva to actually have any kind of an impact this year. I think that's a little bit I'd be concerned I mean he's he has the upside as well, but I would I would be nervous if he's my you know, first round pick in a fantasy rookie draft.
0: So you said JSN. I was gonna say yeah. Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. So um, ha- having ha- you know, it's it, it, not to not to poke fun at Seattle. So I, I as I was saying earlier, I think Gino is one of the biggest winners of this yeah. draft, honestly, with the weapons that Pete Carroll got for him. But I think Charbonnet having to share backfield with Kenneth Walker, it's gonna it potentially is going to be great for the longevity of his career. But if you were expecting a fantasy stalwart, that that's not going to be Zach Charbonnet, unfortunately, uh, unless Kenneth Walker has an injury or something like that. So it it, it could be, it could be, you know, I could be wrong here, but I, I'm pretty sure that it, they're going to be giving Kenneth Walker the nod, kicking things off. But Maybe Charbonnet has opportunity to take over some of that share as Kenneth Walker has proven to be injury-prone a little bit. So anything can happen. Uh, you know that Pete Carroll wants to have multiple guys back there. This might be one of the best backfields, though, that Seattle's had since uh, since the Super Bowl days with the Legion of Boom. But um, it's not necessarily the best recipe for fantasy football, Uh but yeah, it it's it's a recipe for success for Geno Smith, um, it, for the, it, the fact that he has these, uh, kind of a new lease on life, a new contract. And he's a new man all altogether, yeah. uh, new Geno. Uh, I know your your opinions of him are are fairly uh, they're fair you, because of who he is, but. He has no excuse not to perform from a fantasy standpoint next season, in my opinion. Yeah, and
1: I don't say it's a guarantee that he falls back to earth. I just think it's within the realm of possibility. And also, one uh, side effect of Charbonnet is that um, if you're in a lot of leagues, especially leagues with a lot of old guys, someone's going to draft him and say, Zach Charbonnet? And it's going to be funny. So that's uh, that's one nice (laughs) ad. He's bringing something extra to the fantasy season this year. So. You Can appreciate that. Also, I was open point out with Kenneth Walker. Yeah. There are some I think stats that don't from Kenneth Walker last year that aren't super favorable. Like it seems like a lot of his performance came in no. short bursts that were a lot smaller than people realize. So he um not to mention also like Rashad Penny was doing well before Walker stepped in and Chris Carson obviously was good there. So for uh, for a while, it's not, not. I actually really like Chris Carson as a player more so than Penny, but I, I, I'm not convinced that Kenneth Walker is really good yet.
0: No, I'm um, well. I mean, I think he was. He had a really great year at Michigan State, and if you had, if if injuries were turned off yeah. in the NFL, I think he'd be an incredible running back. But that's just not the case, so. Um. Yeah. It's 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 difficult to gauge. So yeah. I guess we'll just say. <laughs> um. You know. The, it, so I guess yeah. Kenneth Walker would definitely kind of fall into that. Like kind of. You know. Regret. He's gonna regress. Um. Tyler Algier yeah. definitely, po-, po poised for some regression as well. Uh. And, and I don't think Cordell Patterson is going to necessarily be what he's been the past couple of seasons, unless he gets some special teams touchdowns. So there's a lot of guys who we've kind of gotten comfortable with, uh, that aren't going to necessarily be what they were in uh fantasy seasons past. Um, what, what, so what team though, let's just talk about from a whole like team standpoint, you're, you're more interested in what their roster has to offer from a fantasy standpoint. Um, from this draft, uh, um, as opposed to other teams, and then we'll, and then we'll we'll call it. Uh, that's that's something I am always curious about because successful offenses oftentimes, you know, they they breed the most fantasy football success. So what what offense did you are you kind of looking at with in a new light after following this draft?
2: Well,
1: it's tough because a lot of the offenses, like again, a lot of players ended up. Seemingly being drafted into crowded rooms, um, and there are a lot of players that individually, yeah. like you could probably say, are say our winners here, um, like Tony Pollard, big winner, no competition there. Damian Pierce, um, so I'm I'm a little bit torn between the the number one team, but I th- uh, team here, but. I'm going to say the Ravens are the team I'm looking at. So, unfortunately, not just because of the draft, but also because they ended up re-signing Lamar, too. So, with Zay Flowers now um, sure. basically becoming their, um, they're like, their starting slot receiver now with Odell in there, um, maybe some turnover as far as offensive play calling uh, it'll be interesting to see how that changes for them. Like, is it gonna? Maybe it's not gonna be the Mark Andrews show anymore. Maybe now actually we're starting to gonna start to see some action go to the wide receivers. Now they didn't and didn't really draft any running backs, even though they thought they could, because J.K. Dobbins appears to be almost like permanently injured after that um, we saw at the end of last year. Um, they still have Gus the bust and Justice Hill, but Zay Flowers. Who knows? Maybe like he could be a straw that breaks the camel's back as far as like offensive talent there too. So um I think he's uh he's someone you have to have to be optimistic about. Um the other team I had in mind
0: Yeah, they brought in some interesting undrafted guys too. Yeah. Um the uh the other team I had in mind, which
1: is another team that indirectly I think benefited here is I'm I am excited to see the Eagles now that they have DeAndre Swift because even though they didn't pay that much for him, I think he's a more dynamic player than Miles Sanders. I think him with Penny and um, Kenneth Gainwell together, I think that's a really strong running back room. Maybe we don't need to um, – maybe they get a little bit more volume than uh, Miles and Gainwell got last year. Um, maybe take some of the wear and tear off of Jalen Hurts when it comes to running, how many quarterback sweeps, like in the red zone and things like that. Um, so yeah, I honestly, there are, there is not really a team that I thought, I mean, the Seahawks invested a lot in the skill positions, but I don't necessarily think they're going to take a huge leap as a result. And then just a lot of teams made some weird, like moves that maybe were good for the team, but aren't great for fantasy, like Dalton Kincaid on the bills. Does that really move the needle for them? Eh, I don't know. Um, does Bryce Young or CJ Stroud actually improve the outlook for their teams? Maybe Davis Mills is probably going to have... Has officially now, I think, started his career backup. As in, like he's going to be paid millions of dollars to be a backup somewhere, um, and he's not going to be a starter again outside of like the bit start here and there. He's going to be like a Brian Orea type now. That's Davis Mills now, but um, so he's a winner in a way. He's going to make money. Sure.
0: Uh, see, I, I think CJ and Bryce really elevate the the opportunity yeah. those teams have to actually be semi-relevant. I don't think they're... Like, maybe Car- Carolina probably best position to potentially win their division, but, I mean, like, shoot, you're, you're talking about arguably two of the most sorry divisions yeah. in football there. It's not too difficult to turn the ship around if you get the right people in the right places. And as long as those... As long as those uh, GMs can surround those guys with the right talent, I think that anything is possible for those rosters. Um, not, you know, not to be... Mr. Optimistic here, if you want me to be, you know, skeptical realist, like, I, I can I can go that direction, but right now, everything's so on paper, I, I, I don't even know, and I guess I, from my, fan, so from fantasy standpoint, who I'm a little more excited about, um, I like what the Packers did a lot, they brought in a lot of guys, a lot of potential weapons, our a lot of these guys going to be on the 53. Obviously, Musgrave, Reed, and Kraft will be. Um, I don't know about Wicks, and Nichols, and Dubose. I, I like the picks though, just because it's good to just bring in more bodies. And then they brought in a multiple other uh, undrafted guys. Deuce Watts from Tulane was a was a fun spark plug to watch uh, in college. So that that'll be exciting to see what what happens there. Um and then um j- just from the Cowboys brought in a lot of players too especially undrafted guys so that that'll be interesting to see how that all translates they 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 could have some interesting things uh come about there and and I will note too what you mentioned with the Ravens uh they brought in uh, Keaton Mitchell from Eastern Carolina as well from East Carolina as a he went undrafted so that could also be sneaky, too. There's a lot of... I'm looking at the rosters that broaden a lot of potential offensive weapons because somebody's going to stick there. Um, I, I, I feel... I, I, I was kind of hoping Jonathan Minko would go somewhere different as well. I don't know what his potential is now that he's in Carolina and what Frank Reich has in store for him because he kind of reminded me of a potential Debo Samuel. And I don't know if Frank Reich is that creative to utilize a guy like that. Uh, so we shall see. But otherwise, yeah, time will tell with, with how this draft uh how this draft will uh will translate i think we got a lot of good tight ends yeah. and i think we got some some pretty good running backs uh in this draft class and and i don't know if wide receivers i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys outside of the top you know three or four really uh really come out but that that's just kind of my general consensus on on this draft and uh, like I said, we won't know much more until we really hear what's happening after OTAs. Like we didn't, I I didn't expect anything from a Romeo Dobbs I- until all of a sudden everybody was like, "Did you see yeah. this dude?" Like who I would have never thought. Um, Mountain West wide receivers normally aren't that successful, uh, so it's just funny that the Packers had both Devontae Adams and now Romeo Dobbs, both from Mountain West schools. So. Uh, it, it you ne- you never know until the pads get on in OTAs and you really start to see uh, what's happening um, and who's making yeah. noise. Byron, we're 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 now in uh, we're now in May. Uh, summer's coming up here. Anything anything exciting to look forward to on sure, the Sure. So
1: I have um, I'm going to f- buy by the beginning of the college football season. I'm going to finish up my. Um, series recapping Debbie drafts for the last 10 years or so. So I've only done two entries so far, but now it's getting a little bit closer to football season and I can't help but start typing. So um, that'll be uh, fun to follow along with. If anyone else has checked that out so far, one person had a comment to say, this is basically an advertisement to not play Debbie league. So what it is, is as I starting in 2012, <laughs> I started drafting players. So for example, this year you would draft a player like Arch Manning like you play draft players that are not yet in the NFL. Yep. The idea you have their rights as if you're like in the NHL or the MLB, you have their rights until they were to what hypothetically make the league. Um which is very fun be
0: you know. Oh yeah. We we had Devi we had we had Devi Dietz on yeah. uh, the That's... other week, so we we've 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 introduced the audience to the concept yeah. of Debbie. Uh I don't know if it sold yeah, many tickets. Well, it tickets gives you an so. excuse
1: to kind of pay attention a little bit to college football, but it's... it's yeah, for sure. I have to say, it is such a crapshoot <laughs> um, with some of the players. Like, I mean, it started off when I first year I did this. You look at the first two running backs taken. First one was Marcus Lattimore, whose knee exploded. And then Le'Veon Bell, who's one of the best fantasy players in the league for like a three-year stretch. So, And that was a one-pick difference. Like, there's it, um, some fun ones... Um, uh you had his name is escaping me now. But um the tight end for Washington was originally a quarterback. Um and actually a highly ranked one. Oh shoot. Um actually Washington had
0: Name. Yeah, Washington me. had
1: two two quarterbacks that were actually have an interesting history here. So you have um Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was a Virginia Tech quarterback. He was like the prototype in terms of size and everything nice. like that, and he just turned out to not be a very good quarterback. He was actually a quarterback for the Cardinals for a little bit, and then became a tight end. And then, I mean, they don't—I don't think they have him anymore. But they also last year had Ricky Seals Jones, who was a huge high school recruit. And if you wanted to go that deep with uh, Debbie Lee, you probably could for most leagues. And he was, um, he ended up not becoming, he was, I think, went undrafted by the time he was eligible for the NFL. But he stuck around, and he just put on weight and became a tight end. So some interesting, like, it's an excuse to follow players. And some of them just do nothing, and some of them actually end up having a nice story. And that's kind of one of the fun things about fantasy is telling stories like this. So I'm enjoying this uh, this series. So um, feel free to hop on byron-cobalt.com and follow along, or just uh, check out my Twitter or Reddit, and you'll you'll see what's coming up.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Byron, it's a pleasure as always. I appreciate you stopping by to chat NFL draft. We'll be able to have some more exciting conversations in the coming months for sure. Uh, as we, as we lead up to, uh, this, uh, 2023 NFL season. So yeah, rookie camp starts next week, um, or in two weeks, depending on your team, I'll be looking forward to the different stories that come out and, uh, if you ever want to check out Byron tweeting about yeah. Aaron Rodgers, you you'll know where to find him. I'll have all of his stuff in the description as always. Byron, thanks, thanks for Brandon. stopping by.
1: I always happy to join you in the bowels. Peace. <laughs>